2: You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie, Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gabb. Hey,
3: hey, hey. Welcome in to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie, Matt, along with our narrator today, Todd Fox. And the other host of the show, Gabby Gabb, will not be joining us tonight. Uh, however, we're going to have... Um, one of our good friends of ours going in tonight. Uh, his name is Big Game James. Shout out to Big Game James. Hey,
0: it's good to be here, and I'm really interested in this particular.
3: Absolutely. But before we give you guys the details of the story, we got to let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on our Instagram page, our Facebook page. You can find us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, all those good things. Just type in. The Grinding True Crime Podcast, and there you can listen to some of our previous episodes, especially the one we did last week with Jeffrey Dahmer. You got to listen to that one. Very sick, very detailed, and very good, but um, that's where you can find us. Now, with that all said, we are going to get into tonight's episode, and tonight, our man Todd is going to break down this story, and Todd has an interesting one, one that hits home to us because we're from California. This one is going to be called, what's it called Todd?
2: The Skid Row Slasher.
3: Woo-hoo. Let's get into it.
2: Okay, so <clears throat> I don't know if anyone outside of California listening, cause we got listeners from around the world. Um, Skid Row, if you Google it, is probably the derelict area in Los Angeles, California. It's 54 blocks long. Skid Row has been around since the early forties in some parts. It's it's it primarily started after the Great Depression and it's in the downtown area of Los Angeles to where people just don't have any place to live. And over the years, as things progressed with drugs and alcohol issues, it used to just be people either down their luck or alcoholics and then turned into homeless, then it turned into drug addicts. And then the also unfortunate situation, a lot of people with mental health issues are down there as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's always been a crime infested area. Um and Skid Row at, at one point um it, it has had anywhere it varies because it's hard to keep track of everybody, but it can vary from anywhere from six thousand to eight thousand to one one year, ten thousand people homeless in fifty four square blocks, you know, living in tent cities. Ooh. And um it's very, very very depressing if you're ever in the Los Angeles area to go down there. Oh, yeah. Uh, the demographics for this area uh, <clears throat> in 2019, the population was about 5,000 that they counted. And it was 11% increase over the last two years. And it was um, 7% were under the age of 18. Uh, 1% was 18 to 24. 60% of them were 25 to 54 years old. mm 19 55 to 61 years old and 10 62 years and older and veterans war veterans made up almost 10 percent of the population mm. so that that hits home uh 12 12 were white 58 percent black or african-american 2 percent indian or alaskan native asian 24 percent um really was, yeah which is pretty high oh no i'm sorry Asian (laughs) 0.63 oh okay that
3: sounds more like it
2: (laughs) yeah Yeah, my bad (laughs) Hispanic was 24.53 okay that
3: that makes sense
2: so that it gives you a diverse what do you call it description now this part doesn't make any sense the per capita income uh, was uh, between 14,000 that they made per year I'm guessing if you're on skid row you don't have that much so I don't know where they came up with that
1: um,
2: but that's a basic breakdown of Skid Row. A lot of crime, a lot of homelessness. So this story will take take us back a little bit. Um, it will be in between the years of the 1960s and 70s. Oh, man. Yeah. <clears throat> so this story is about the crimes on the less fortunate and also being not the sexiest for the media at the time to report on. And even know, or even now, they won't give priority um after our little story lesson uh that i just brought up uh giving you an outlook on skid roll let's uh see how the story actually starts and who we're actually talking about here because this is uh, going to be co- kind of a complex story that a lot of people haven't heard too much about and our subject for tonight is von greenwood von greenwood von greenwood he was born january 1st 1944 in a small town in pennsylvania Okay, The town is not known for uh, exact town is not known to this day because his background is unlike most serial killers. Like when Gabby brought up Jeffrey Dahmer, when I brought up uh, the golden state killer, we knew just about everything about how he was raised, where he grew up, his family life. This guy's background is not really known too much. And I believe there's a good reason for it. It's okay. just, it's just, they don't bring it up and they don't want to bring it. up. So, And, and you'll, you'll get it as we go along. Um, so his public records aren't exactly divulged still to this day. Um, here's what we do know about his past. We, okay. do, we do know that he was given up for adoption at an unknown early age between two to five years old. Dang. He was in many foster homes and he completed just up until the seventh grade before quitting um, his eighth grade year of school. Dang. Um, he just quit school one day in the eighth grade at in the year 1956 and ran away from his foster home. So what do you think he did a small ki- or a, not a small kid? He's eighth grade in 1956. What do you think he did? Go west. He went west to California. You guys are correct because I, I missed yes, sir. I mentioned Los <laughs> Angeles but <laughs> <laughs> you know I figured he'd go west. I figured so. <laughs> well, you guys are right, he went on a very big adventure. He hitchhiked his way all the way to California, which took him two weeks. So that's not bad for a kid his age. Um, not bad at all. But the thing is, and the thing is that he encountered which he didn't bring up too much details. All we know that he did some things that he's, he wasn't proud of to get here. <clears throat> so there's some stuff that's left out that we will never know about. Um, so there's no record for him from an age gap of eight years. So from the ages of 12 to 20, he's like off the radar. Like he doesn't exist. Dang. So he never tells this this story to the authorities or anybody else. Nobody knows this story. Nobody knows... what he was doing for those eight years um we do know that at some point in that time period in the early 60s he identifies as a gay or homosexual black man which must have been extremely hard at the time uh period because being black was you were marked already in the Mm -hmm. the, that's that's the freaking hardest time in america with the civil rights movement Mm mm-hmm and then being gay, at the same time. I mean, it was hard enough being gay in the '80s and early '90s. Imagine in the '60s and being black. Yeah,
3: it it wasn't. Gays weren't as, as accepting as it is today. Back then.
2: Yes. Now, if he if we talked about in the other show, if he came out, you know, today and said, "Hey, I'm gay," everyone would clap or they'd be like, "Okay." Now, if he came out and said, hey, I'm gay, they would probably lynch him, unfortunately. You know what I mean? That's just yeah. how bad it was. Um, so it's speculated he was engaging in sex acts to survive, and he really didn't have a job. Um, until 1964, when he was working, of all things, in the fields of San Bernardino as a migrant worker uh, picking crops. Oh,
3: yeah. He was close to. He was close to home for me now.
2: He's right around the corner from you. uh Oh. <laughs> so let's let's talk murder. Um, oh. So on November thirteenth, nineteen sixty four, because what happens when I mention a date?
3: Somebody getting clipped.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the famous footsteps of what do you think in Los Angeles? What famous monument in Los Angeles? If you guys City get this. Home. No, not City Hall, but that's close. Um,
3: uh, it's close to City Hall, huh? Uh,
2: ooh. I don't know. Okay, uh, uh, the City Library. Do you know the famous oh. LA City Library? That's close to the Skid Row. That's like, you know, only a couple that's of That's over there in downtown, too. Uh-huh. Um, The body of David Russell, age not known, was discovered in the morning by city workers. How uh-huh. was... How was the homeless body found? You say because David Russell was a homeless man at that time. What you, how how you, was it found? How yeah, was a body found?
3: I'm gonna say his neck was slashed.
2: Okay. I'm
3: gonna say there's body
0: parts on on um, on each of the steps.
2: <laughs> no, but uh, I, th- I think Matt got closest. Um, he, David's body had stab wounds on his throat. So his throat was slashed. He's correct. But he had deep knife wounds in his head, chest, and lower abdomen. He was stabbed over 70 times. Damn. Good God. His throat was slashed from ear to ear. Good God. And that's not the worst part of it.
3: Let me guess. He was cut in his butt. No. (laughs) Okay.
2: No. (laughs) No, what happened is um, the police were shocked to see that of all things, salt was spread around his body. Like, and not the, not the, like, you know, the little salt, the, 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 real, you know, like the restaurant salt you put on pretzels. Yeah. Iodized salt. Yeah. I There you go. Iodized thick salt was all around his body, sort of like a ritual. And, um, his shoes were taken off and there, it was like they were pointing to his, his head. Like they, were on one side of each, uh, you know, each side of his head, they were like the what shoes. The- were- yeah. And, Two small paper cups were filled with the victim's blood next to the body. body. Yo, this man is sick. Yes. Um, First
3: of all, hold on. Talk about I, I, interesting question. Uh-huh. I know they're homeless and all, but mm-hmm. who has the time and energy to do all that, and who does not get caught doing all that? I know you're on Skid Row, but somebody should have seen that.
2: Well, I mean,
0: was this at night?
2: Yes, this was night. He,
0: was, he just planned it out probably been thinking about doing something
2: like this for a long time and he just he had a plan he do it. man and whatever plan it was it baffled the police but however as outrageous as that murder was because we at the same time you know or just a few years later or at the same time or the few years later the manson I'm, i forget when the mansons were around they uh, did some late pretty sh- 60s
0: 70s. they
2: did some shocking things but because it was it was white and in a rich area the cops paid attention.
0: Mm-hmm. And this the is rifles and <clears throat> yeah. The artillery they were using.
2: Because this man I believe was an African American and he was in, in a homeless, you know, on the footsteps of the city library. Not really a big deal. Is is atrocious as the murder was, this didn't get no pub. I mean we still don't we still don't know the man's name. That's jacked up. <laughs> yeah. We, we don't know the man's name. They um, was like, Johnson,
3: just uh just sprinkle some crack on him and let's go.
2: <laughs> They're all like, well, Johnson, he's already been sprinkled salt. You know? Listen, Good point. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they already did our job. Um the police immediately thought they had a satanic ritual or a cult killing. Yeah. Mm. So despite all this stuff, um there was you know, and, and that happened and outrageously, you know, the, the shocking the shockness of it, this didn't slow Vaughn down. He didn't he didn't even wait one day. Like less than twenty-four hours later, barely turning November 14th, 1964, the body of a sixty-seven-year-old uh, Benjamin Hornberg in the bathroom of a dingy motel was discovered on Skid Row. Wow. The transient had mustered up enough money to get a room for the night. So the poor guy had panhandled enough just to get a room. And he's wound up he wound up uh is murdered in his own room. Um that the morning housekeeper came by and, and uh discovered the body <clears throat> and the body was in the bathtub with stab wounds all over the head again and the chest, and again the deep throat slashing from ear to ear. Oh, so at this time detectives remembered yesterday's case knew that they knew that they probably had a serial killer but did they sound the alarm i don't think so not whatsoever they did not <laughs> they did not even alert the media wow <clears throat> so um especially when they found the shoes pointing to the bathtub in a, in a weird way and a cup of uh, blood where the uh, soap was See? So it was pretty much the same
3: thing, just different locations, obviously.
2: Yep. Yep. Wow. <clears throat> so then, a, a very quick twist. Uh-oh. You know I love them twists. Oh, yeah. You love them twists. Um, As quickly as the murder started, they stopped. They stopped. Um, Vaughn would leave the Los Angeles area the next day. He would hitchhike and ride trains. And, and wound up in Chicago working in a uh, some sort of factory for about a year to two years. Mm-hmm. And two years later, in 1966, Vaughn would be in a relationship with a man who was 48 years older than him. So in his What? Six, yeah, he was in his 60s or, or, or close to his 70s. Um, He one day snapped at the older man when he tried to get some money off of him. The man said no. Vaughn slashed his throat just out of nowhere, just slashed his throat. Um, Wow. But the guy didn't die. The Mm. 70-year-old was able to get to the police while holding his uh, neck. And he was able to identify Vaughn. And Vaughn was charged and arrested for the attempted murder. Mm. So slashing a man's throat, how many years do you think Vaughn got?
3: 20. I would hope he got 20, but knowing that the history of our cases with dumb polices, I'm going to say he got three years.
2: No, no. Actually, you know, I have to give to James on this one. He got 20 years. Oh, wow. But he served eight. Oh, <laughs> Good
3: behavior.
2: Yeah, good behavior for that throat slasher guy.
0: Wow. See the way he was doing the murders with the cups and putting everything in place. Yeah, he must have been really good in jail. That oh yeah yeah you're good yeah yeah, he did such a great job putting everything in order and nice and neat.
2: You know, besides a little OCD with the way he folds his uniform. <laughs> <Yeah>. yeah. <laughs> so um, this is where he returns to Los Angeles in 1974. So just released it in Chicago, he's like heading west. Um, he goes back to his old tricks. So. In row. Yeah, just in time for the holiday season. December 1st, he murders a 46 year old alcoholic on Skid Row. So, this dude is just drinking, having, you know, probably scrounged up enough money to buy a bottle of, you know, rum or vodka or something, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe even a few beers. And um, guess where he kills this guy?
3: In broad daylight, right there in the opening. No. Wow.
2: It's at night, but. Oh, okay.
3: OK, uh, Skid Row, Skid Row, I'm thinking of Skid Row. I'm going to say by the by City by Hall, Hall this
2: time. Yeah, I'm going
0: to say by City Hall.
2: City Hall, wrong again, guys. <laughs> but, but you know what? I would have given you major props had you got it. He killed him in the exact same spot he killed the dude <laughs> years prior. On Are the, you serious? On, on the, the, the porch library. steps of the library. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> what is it about that steps?
2: I don't know, maybe he had some, uh, uh, what is it, um, he owed money for non-returned books or something and pissed him <laughs> off. But <laughs> He is so
3: prompt and
0: exact
2: aware. Man. Is. Yes. And so <clears throat> the police, when they came to investigate, they, there was no cups in the blood this time, but the throat was slashed from ear to ear, and some cops were like, nah, this can't be the same. He's literally on the same step as he killed the dude years prior. You wow. if
3: that's the same detective.
2: That's all I'm about to say. I wonder like if it's the same detective after
0: years eight
3: years.
2: That. That's true. Yeah. That's true.
3: Now, I have a question. Okay. I don't know if it mentions it, but you mentioned earlier that he was homosexual. Did it show any signs of sexual uh, abuse on these men that were slashed?
2: Mm-hmm. Police back then were not open to be looking for that kind of thing on another man. Wow. Next. If, if it was a woman, they would be like, hey, let's check her to see if she was raped. Yep, they're not gonna check a man's back door. They're just not, <laughs> especially back then. They're like, I've never seen mine myself. How am I supposed to see that man's? You
1: know what no. I mean? So
2: it's just not gonna happen. Got you. Got you. Yeah, that's the mentality back then. So okay. So just two blocks away from that on Sixth Street. So you guys might know where that's at. That's a yes, I do. Yeah. So in an alley. A 47-year-old homeless man was found with his throat slashed and his shoes off, pointing to him. This guy was a uh, Russian immigrant. Moses um was found Good job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Was found a day, though, after he was murdered. So he was, like, behind a dumpster. So his body was left uh, not in the open. Wow. So that's
3: four already. That's four. And one attempt.
2: Yep. Yeah. So again, no connection by the police to any other murder at this point with this new guy. Then three days later, on December 11th, found in an abandoned building, a body of a 54-year-old Arthur Dosslet was found with his neck slashed almost to the point of his head being decapitated. Oh,
3: wow. Jesus Christ.
2: Yes. Again, no tie to any of the other murders. Not alerted the media, we just move on. Um, then December 22nd, so 11 days later, David Perez, 42 years old, homeless, was found in the bushes just outside the library. Wow, something about that library! Yeah, he must have been sleeping down there or something. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, um, again, his throat was slashed. At this point, there was no extra police patrolling the area, no undercover task force, no media coverage, no coverage at all.
1: Wow,
3: yeah, that's that's as if they just all right, they just don't exist.
2: Yeah, yeah. So he takes a break for uh, you know New Year's, you know Christmas, you know celebrates somehow. Um, So January 9th, nineteen seventy-five, a fifty-eight-year-old Kazmir Strawnowski. Was found dead on the hotel, uh, on his hotel bed, hands folded, laying on his uh, back, throat slashed. So there's another one. Wow. Then just eight days later, 46 year old Robert Shanahan was found seven days later in his hotel by his housekeeper or housekeeping. Seven days later? Yeah. And this is where. This is what I question, guys. You guys have been to hotels and motels, stayed the night, whatever, right? Absolutely. When you put a Do Not Disturb sticker on your door, they don't listen. <laughs> it's no. They yeah. still knock. <laughs> and they still come in and change your sheets, even when you tell them not to. <laughs> Seven days. Seven days?
3: Oops.
2: That's some lazy housekeeping. <laughs> Man. Yeah. <sighs> well, um, he was, um, he was also found with a bayonet. You know what a bayonet is, right? Yes, I do know what a bayonet is. At the end of those old-timey war guns? Yes, sir. That was sticking out of his chest.
1: Oh, wow. Good God.
2: Yes. That was still in his chest when they found him. <clears throat> um, then two days later, a 49-year-old Samuel Suarez was found murdered in his fifth room hotel room And keep in mind, all these killings are in the Skid Row area. No connection. So you have a a Skid Row area, which is technically now 54 blocks, but back then it was a little smaller. Mm -hmm. And you've had multiple deaths and just nothing. They're not putting any of this together. Wow. So fast forward to January 29th. George Frias was murdered in his own home. Now here's where it changes. In his own home? In his own home. Oh, man. George Frias lived just outside of of Skid Row, a few miles away in West Hollywood.
3: Oh. And West Hollywood his is known home. for, you know it.
2: Yes. And for the all the sexualities. Yeah, you have a, a big homosexual. Um, uh, what is it uh, community community in the area which even back then was taboo yeah. but they still live their life and you know if that's what they want that's what they want I and mean, we're not here to judge or nothing but back then it was taboo and but yeah. still you know and and here's where the sex i think they this is why this story isn't that big because back then they didn't want to promote this like you can be killing blonde white women or other women as a you know as a sexual predator doing cult things for some reason that was sexy to the media they didn't want to report on a homeless person number one and number two a homosexual those didn't matter to them yeah even though these were atrocities and these were poor people losing their lives and it sucked they refused to to report on it now at this time mr von greenwood looked like a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers he had a very healthy <laughs> he had a very healthy uh fro 1970s uh, 60s fro um, he was built like a linebacker he was uh 6 feet I forget how many pounds he was a big stunning looking dude he looked like a bouncer so mm. in, in the gay community that's very attractive so he, mm. went, he went home with this man and I guess something was said or he snapped and that was it wow but they would not say it was a homosexual murder or that it was it had to do with, with sex. They just said a man entered a man's home and killed him. So uh. but the police um saw that there was no forced entry so they were thinking he's a friend, not a lover. Mm-hmm. But still mm-hmm. you know, this caught their attention because this guy was not George Frias was a regular community person. No one knew he was gay, but that's still, you know, it's it's happening now outside of skid row so the cops are taking note um at this uh you know at this point the cops were thinking that it might be a sexual predator uh, or sexual uh worker that was behind it but the but the people as as i just described vaughn to you guys the people and the witnesses were describing him as a white male a white male yeah they were saying that there was just no black people in the neighborhood so it couldn't have been a black guy it had to be a yeah. white guy. yeah so the cops were looking for a white guy and that was Va- that was music to his ears yeah Vaughn was a big buff dark black man so that <laughs> didn't fit <pick> the description <laughs> he literally walked
3: by all the detectives morning,
2: morning. <laughs> yeah they're all keep, keep on walking sir
3: Walking, sir. we're sir not looking for
2: you we're looking for a white man have you seen this white man <laughs> for once yeah
3: exactly.
2: <laughs> he probably passed out he's like no way <laughs> I'm, um, here, I'm
0: getting
2: away with this yeah and uh so just oh. two days later january 31st 1975 vaughn killed his uh youngest victim 34 year old clyde hayes who was a mechanic in the west hollywood area was found in the in his own garage Stabbed in the face and throat and his um, his throat slashed and his body mutilated um, what? But not much else is described other than the the cups of blood was also found on the scene and um, so again, this was in West or West Los Angeles and the cops now believe that this one was a rendezvous of some sort and uh, Something happened sexually and the, the man was stabbed again, so Finally, the police are starting to put the the uh, the stuff that was happening in Skid Row together with this, and
1: yeah,
2: yeah and so um, the police began ramping up their their coverage for the first time in this whole thing, and they were figuring out that this wasn't just a random um, you know a perpetrator. This is someone that's been doing this for a while. So that didn't stop Vaughn. The very next day, Vaughn broke into a house of William Grand and in his quote unquote roommate. Vaughn attacked both men and uh, with a hatchet. He cut he cut them up a couple times or stabbed them with a hatchet. Hey. And before having t- I guess the hatchet broke the second time he hit the the, uh, the lover, and he just got tired of him and he threw both of them outside the sliding glass door. So that shows you his power. He just, yeah. He just threw him through, like you know how Jazzy Jeff on Fresh Prince yeah. goes out the door. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was like that. I was like, ah, came out the door. <laughs> Dang man. Yeah. So, um, at this point, being in West Hollywood, a lot of rich neighborhoods, um, the commotion woke up the neighbors. They called the police, and the Hollywood, um, and in Hollywood, all you have to say is there's a black attacker in a white neighborhood, and the police were on their way. In seconds. Mm-hmm. In seconds. What? So here's where our story takes a dramatic twist.
3: Here we go. I love the twist.
2: Yes. So we're going to listen now to a five minute clip. It's exactly five minute clips. This is Burt Reynolds, the uh, movie star. And this is his encounter with the Skid Row Slasher on the Diana uh, Dinosaur. So back in the early 80s, he tells of, uh, of how he met the Skid Row Slasher.
1: Has a high threshold. I'll a, tell you something else that happened. To down the one. Yeah. No, not no, that. We were together, and, and I, as usual, either didn't come home or did come home or whatever. And on this particular night, I don't know why I came home at about three in the morning. And there was a man called, I'm going to condense this story real fast. There's a man called the Skid Row Slasher who uh, oh. had killed. Oh, I forgot. Uh, they think about 23 people and he, had, he was getting some drugs down below my house and they said you know who lives up there and for I'm some reason he it. that was that thing, he went up and waited in my closet for me but i didn't come home so he got bored waiting in the closet and he went up to the house above me and killed one guy and cut the other guy real bad oh. i slid down the hill and then i came home it was then three o'clock in the morning and you remember, I used to leave the doors wide open. Oh, yeah. And I never had a weapon. in the house. No. And I went in and I was lying down and crawling on the floor was one of the guys from, from the house above. The house. With his stomach wide open. He was holding his inside. And I looked down, and he couldn't talk. And I jumped up, and there wasn't 911 in those days, but whatever the equivalent was. And I looked out the door, and standing about 15 feet from me was a Skid Row Slasher with a machete, a Clint Eastwood hat, and a serape. Right. He's staring at me. I'm staring at him, he's staring at me. I closed the door, and then I looked for a weapon, you know, I tried a knife, or a bow, or whatever. And he slowly, it was a great acting lesson, because he slowly walked across in this pit. Helicopters came, and cops came, and... Oh, I know that. What they found out was, the reason they knew it was him was because every time he had murdered somebody, he had taken his shoes, only these two cops, played by Walter Matthau and Peter Paul, <laughs> uh, <laughs> They took their shoes and pointed them at the head. And only they knew that. The press didn't know about it. So they said, it's a Skid Slasher. And can, did you see him? I said, yeah, I, I looked right in his eye. There he is. So then I went down to do WWE and Dixie mm. They called me and said, we got him. Because when he slid down the hill, his food stamps came out. And we tracked him to his address. And will you come and identify him? I said, Yeah. I'd come back, I'd fly me in, the end, they'd bring me down the bottom of, and, and I must say that nobody knew about this. I was in the basement. I'd come up and I'm standing back there. And I'm standing with some cop who who was a very nice guy. And he said, When you walk out, look right at him. Don't even do think. I said am not gonna be clean? He said, look right at him. I said, I'm not worried about it. So I came out and I looked right at him and he looked like mm. OJ Simpson would read for it and be too much of a fairy. <laughs> this guy was, I mean, his neck was, and, his, and he lifted weights. He'd been in prison about 23 years of his life and he did nothing but lift weights. So I sat down in the chair and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he's smiling. Well, I smile back at him and the public defender gets up and he says, you know who this is? And I said, how do you know so Because I saw him. And he had my clothes on. So what do you mean clothes? I said, well, that was my therapy that Clint Eastwood gave me. And the good that I That's right. And I said, I recognize it. And I said, there's a clean slip inside if you look. I never could figure out why it is. Instead of Reynolds, it says R-E-Y O. The guys blanched and they, they took it up, and the judge said, hmm. So then he said, Well, you're an actor, aren't you? And I said, Well, the jury's still out about that.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I got a very nice laugh. And and the judge said, Show and I'll just answer the question. I said, yes. Yeah. And, and so we went back and forth, and he had my identification. first. So it was very short, but I, I had nailed it. As I got up, as I'm walking by him, I look, and as he's looking at me, he's writing. He's not looking down, he's looking at me and writing. And as I came behind him, I looked over his shoulder, and he said, oh, probably about 125 times, Gilbert Reynolds, Gilbert, 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 Gilbert. Wow. But they, they put him away forever and ever, ever oh, I and ever. I know when this guy, you know, plucks his eyebrows. But the story, the end of the story is if I hadn't been with you, I would have come home probably at nine. See? And he would have been there, and uh, I'd have my shoes pointed at me right okay. now. Uh-huh. And they said the best movie he ever did was. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: So that was Burt Reynolds. Wow! Wow! And had so he encountered the actual man himself. Man! Yeah. Um. So we would have maybe lost him had he been there a little earlier. And you, for real, describing the guy coming down with his guts hanging out. I mean, sort That's, of. Yeah. Like like Forrest Gump when what's his name was um his his guts oh, were. Right. Yeah. Up. <laughs> no, but that's that's what that's what it probably looked like. His yeah. intestines. Yeah,
3: probably. Dang, dude, that's the, man.
2: That's pretty trippy, right? Yeah. So, um, after he, Burt Reynolds describes what you know, he identifying him and all this other stuff. Um, he was convicted on nine counts or nine of the eleven. Now, Burt Reynolds says he killed like twenty-three. Yeah. He, he did not kill twenty-three but um he was i mean maybe they could try to maybe link some to him but as far as i know he only killed 11 which is a lot um but uh, what do you think happened to him after he was convicted of the the victims
3: um you said this story has a twist i don't know if it was another twist no no, i'm gonna say oh that's it oh um i'm gonna say he got the death penalty same same
2: you would be both wrong. Whoa. He did not get the death penalty. He is currently a year younger than my dad right now. He's 76. Yeah, yeah he's he's Three. he's still alive, but he's here in California at the California Men's uh, Jail in San Quentin. Oh. So he's locked away for life. But uh, a guy who later... What you know, and he's been super duper quiet. They've tried to interview him, they've tried, the media has tried to interview him. He does not talk, he just won't talk. Only in passing did he let a fellow prisoner know at one point that he did drink some of the blood of what one, of one of the victims. Yes, so that is all we know. He hasn't said anything else. He hasn't said nothing. The guy has been mute since 1977. Jesus. Yes. So, um, yeah, 11 murdered and one survivor out of the whole mess. That is Von Greenwood, the Skid Row slasher. Wow. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Very interesting story, man. Very interesting story. That's close to home. That's
0: I learned how the media coverage has changed over the years. Mm -hmm. The police coverage on victims, Mm -hmm. as you refer to, and the way we look at people in society. And how, as in Burt Reynolds' case, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: you never know. And you have to be prepared. And sometimes you're lucky. Absolutely. But it also goes to show you how dangerous... That place could be Skid Row, yeah, and that could be in any decade, any day, because yeah. you never know people's mentality. Mm-hmm. And it started when he was given up at five mm-hmm. with the adoption, so uh, it just starts from there. If you don't have the parents, if you don't have the guardians, you're you're messed up mentally.
2: Absolutely, yeah,
0: and it just goes in. Uh, it goes in any time frame, any decade
2: you mm-hmm.
0: You're you're just messed up and you have a story like this. And the again, another thing that shocked me was the uh the detail on all the crimes. With yeah. the shooting, <laughs> the cups, mm-hmm.
2: uh
0: slashing sla- where the slashings were.
2: He enjoyed what he did.
0: I, I'm I'm just blown away by the uh the uh Brut- slickness and the, the brutality. Yeah, just just Everything was the same
1: mm-hmm.
0: every time, pretty much, except
2: the yeah. the uh the bayonet. Yeah, except mm-hmm. that that was great. What, what you think? Yeah, I mean,
3: yeah, I mean, I I, I just think like kind of to piggyback on what uh, Big Game James said is, it really depends on who the victims are, because let's be real, man. Like you mentioned, uh, the one that was in West Hollywood, he kind of got. The media's attention because of his ethnicity and mm-hmm. being that it was a skid row i've been down skid row i'm quite sure you've been down to skid james i don't know if you've been but it's bad and be real you probably would forget about those people if someone you know you well he probably just had a fight with someone and it don't matter he didn't have family it really shows how the media looks at status, man, and see where you are in life to even care. Because, dude, he murdered about, what, eight people before he, the media even said, okay, we're dealing with the same person. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's just, it, it, it's, it sucks. I understand it. I kind of get it. You know what I'm saying? But it still sucks. And
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's just the fact that, you know, like, like, this case doesn't get much media coverage to this day. And, yeah. like, we we don't know, like, a lot of people don't know the Skid Row Slasher. Um, Never
3: heard of it until today.
2: Yeah, on this page, I brought it up on many other Facebook forums and stuff like that, and a lot of people didn't know. And, you know, let's just say, for instance, Burt Reynolds was murdered that night. This would be, he would, would be know. one. Of, yeah, you would know. This would be one of You would definitely know. One of California's worst serial killers because he took out, Burt Reynolds in his prime you know what I mean mm-hmm. but uh but you don't know him because it didn't happen it just it was a, yeah. like, like James said it was a coincidence or like a, a a fateful moment that he just happened not to be there at that time and when he's write, when he's writing I mean how, that would freak out Burt Reynolds probably till he died uh, the fact that he saw the dude writing I gotta kill Burt Reynolds I gotta that's, kill Burt Reynolds <laughs>
3: that's alarming <laughs> by the way good good piece in actually playing the the interview with uh
2: Burton Reynolds. Oh thank you, thank you. Did a little yeah on that.
3: So pretty good. That was the first time we've done that. Pretty good. Yes, sir. So yeah. that
2: that's our show for
3: today. That was the Skid Roll Slasher. Yes sir. I feel like he should have gotten deaf mm-hmm. because yep. it doesn't matter who the victims were. What he did was very heinous and he knew what he was doing and he didn't care what he was doing and despite them being in that condition despite them probably not having family or having mental issues mental issues they were still human beings and they didn't deserve to be murdered like that so he should have gotten death penalty but at least he's tucked away for life in san quentin and he won't be hurting anybody and talking to anybody for the rest of his life
0: let me add on just a couple things with um with the way society was back then They didn't care about if you had mental health If problems or mm-hmm. whatnot. They didn't mm-hmm. care about your past If you killed someone, you killed someone And it was instant, you know, death penalty mm-hmm. Or life in yeah. mm-hmm. So much different now Absolutely. If you're crazy, mentally Like they say, you know, you get a pass
2: Yeah, there's insanity please Right,
0: now Back then, that wasn't the case And I was really shocked to hear uh, The verdict and you know where he is now where he should be
2: yeah he didn't get the death penalty <laughs> where he i that, mean if you think crazy. if you think about it manson and i bring back manson again oh, yeah. because manson got the death penalty but he didn't you know he didn't wind up serving it because you know california's california that's a whole nother story yep. but he got the death penalty and he didn't actually commit a murder now he told people to commit murder but he didn't commit a murder he never big fit difference. In. yeah big difference <laughs> Mm-hmm. he's got, he got the death penalty wound up on death row but this guy got like you know forever in a day um but he's still breathing you know yeah I, I I think that's an atrocity um, in itself uh, but yeah. some people are pro death penalty some aren't I just think when there's when there's overwhelming DNA when there's overwhelming um you know there's no turning back you know this is a dude hundred percent the death the death penalty should come into play um I agree. But if there's a chance a dude is, you know, well that's why they have appeals processes too, I guess. But
3: you know Yeah. I think if the death penalty was back in its full form like it was back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, they'll chop your head off with the guillotine. I think if that was still in effect, crime it wouldn't be eradicated, but it would definitely be
2: Tainted. less. Yeah, because the electric chair scared the crap out of people. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so they they ran that in Texas to what the sixties or seventies. Mm-hmm. So, so i mean that freaked a lot of people and then over there in texas i mean they don't play i mean you, you usually spend about three to ten years on death row and you're done you're cooked so yep. they don't they don't mess around here in you know los angeles we've we've talked about a couple or california a couple um uh people like we did the stainer brothers uh you know carrie stainer with all those murders he got the death penalty he's still sitting on death penalty or death row so um you know when we did um what's his name um the uh, Night Stalker, he died on death row. You know he did. He wasn't murdered. You know he he wasn't taken out on death row. He just died of you know cancer. I think it was or something. Like yeah. That. But <sighs> I guess it's just wow. the rot. Yeah. But that's our story. Yes,
3: ladies and gentlemen, that is our show for tonight. That was the Skid Row Slasher, and we thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story for us. And mm-hmm. thank you, James, for filling in. For tonight, we appreciate your input.
0: Well, thank you for letting me be here, and I, I learned a lot. <laughs> one one thing I, I can I can see where, if I was a gay person, I think I'd be appalled by the way the police handled that. Absolutely. So,
3: but i absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's my final thought. So, absolutely. thank you for having. Yeah, me.
3: no problem, no problem. Because uh, they deserve rights too. Everyone absolutely. does, to be honest. So it doesn't matter what you are, who you are, or what color you are rights is rights
2: absolutely
3: with that being said to listen to some of our past shows uh just go to our um our facebook page or our instagram page iHeartRadio, radio itunes all those good places that you listen to just type in grinding true crime podcast and you can listen to some of our previous shows that i've done todd and my wife has done they're really good and i'm not just speaking it because we do it because the fans say so and thank you for the fans that listen and and support us from all over the countries or wherever you're listening to we really appreciate it absolutely so for maddie matt todd fox james this is the grinding true crime podcast